up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. So, Chris, I have this electric tea kettle in my office, and I use it quite regularly, just about every day, right? Okay. Nice little Do you have any other way to kettle? heat up water other than that in your office? Do you have, like, a no. stove? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a shared office space, and there, I think there is, like, so a kitchen you, upstairs, but I've honestly never you been got to some, it. You got some space in a WeWork. A what? Like a co-working space? Yeah. What did you call it? WeWork. WeWork. Is that a brand? Kind of, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it must not be here on the East Coast. Yeah, well, no, and yes, it is. Just not in your part of the East Coast. Although, you know, some stuff has happened. I don't want to spoil the show for you. Am I just living under a rock? Kind of. Phil, there's a whole entire show about it. They had like a meteoric rise and... Undercover boss. Then things happened. Now, we have this place called Serendipity Labs that's kind of popping up. Do you have that out west? Do we have serendipity out here? I mean, I don't because mean I that think as like, like a, an adjective. I think that's like a global concept. Right. There's a there's a co-working space called Serendipity Labs. It's basically a WeWork knockoff. It's a we- No, I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. But anyways, <laughs> I don't office out of either of those two. However, the office space that I do have has the aforementioned electric tea kettle. And Chris... We almost had a little bit of uh, an emergency, an emergency. I ran it dry, which I often do because I don't like water just sitting in it, right? Like there's like this tiny little line that tells me it's enough for like one cup and it's an imaginary line. It's a proverbial line. I often cross it because who doesn't cross a proverbial line from time to time? Anyways, long story short, I I, I let it run dry the other day. Like I want to say it was on Friday and somehow the on button was... Like, like the, the little lever was still depressed in. You burned down your office. And dude, that tea kettle, I just got here just tonight. This happened like five minutes ago, right before we started recording. I poured myself a nice cup of tea, as you can see. And dude, that freaking kettle was like a thousand degrees. This is a plastic tea kettle. I don't know how the thing didn't melt. I don't know how my office is still standing. And yeah, here we are. So it's a miracle. Uh, I think the, the, you know, the takeaway here is that anything can happen, which means tonight is going to be a great night of recording. And I can't wait to hear about the episode that you have planned for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So congratulations on not burning your office down. Although maybe you wanted the insurance payout. I don't know. Maybe that's what you yeah. were going for. I'm uninsured. You just wanted to move on. You just wanted to move no, on with kidding. your life. Not uninsured. Or am I? By the way, that we work show is We Crashed. So congratulations not crashing, I guess. I don't know, Phil. I don't, uh, know. I don't know. Okay, full circle. But somehow I feel like you put a lot of pressure on uh, our episode tonight, Phil. Are we talking about a pressure a cooker? Couple- Sure. Yes. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should do one of those. I like kind of compare and contrast some of the various cooking appliances that Ooh, we might and have air in our Say like that's kind of the same oh, thing. Okay. Right? I guess we could we could add that. I, I was thinking like pressure cookers, instant pot type things. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it, it's and, obviously not the same concept, and, but it's like yeah. in the same category of maybe speed things up yeah, and yeah. make life a little bit easier. And just making life easier because you could also throw a crock pot in that. Sure. And probably even a rice cooker. 
They're all things yeah, that you put food in to, to cook them. Really? Not as overrated as a bread maker. Okay, yeah, no, that's just a little ridiculous. It's so, it's so I have dumb. a bread maker in my house. Her name is Molly. <laughs> yeah. But like the actual bread machine that you push a button, that is the dumbest appliance. Almost as dumb as the toaster. We've been having issues with our broiler, so we have been just just lightly talking about maybe getting a toaster. <gasps> I don't know. Well, when your broiler doesn't work, Phil, let me know if you uh, ever have some toaster thoughts. I could just throw it outside because it is getting hot in South Carolina. Or do you just take a bath with it? <laughs> None of those things are what we are planning on talking about tonight. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about juice, you know, whiskey. And I thought maybe we'd continue down that path, Phil. Yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. I can't get enough of it, to be frank. I love me some whiskey. So are we talking like more down the different types of whiskeys or are we talking about a different spirit altogether? Well, shoot. Now I don't know. Hmm. What do you want to do? Is this like off the record? I don't know. I don't know. No, let's just go whatever, whatever you wanted to do. We can talk about Long Island iced teas. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's exactly what I was thinking about talking about with Scotchville. So great. Perfect. Uh, Long Islands are, I don't know if I want to go so far as to call them underrated, but Scotch, however, is not Phil. It is not underrated because it is highly rated by everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, is like the most popular drink in the world. Uh, I have a friend who, uh, his name is Wes. He probably listens to this episode. I'm going to call him out. Hey, Wes. Uh, so in Western 21, he wanted, he, you know, he went to this bar and he wanted it to sound cool. And so he, you know, says to the bartender, hey, bartender, I'll have a scotch. And the bartender was like, uh, which, which one? <laughs> He's like... Oh, I didn't realize there was more than one kind. Yeah. Yes, Maybe Phil, less. there actually are. There, there are multiple distilleries in Scotland. But it actually, it's it's kind of interesting, and in just that you say that because Scotch is like a lot of whiskeys. There's kind of this like consolidation of ownership, so you don't necessarily have all of the independent Scotch brands that you used to. You know, uh, when you get into the the family trees and the bourbon sphere. It's kind of crazy like how few there really are. And in Scotch, it's it's kind of similar. You, you have a couple owners that do own a lot of the distilleries and you can still actually have a lot more variety out of those kind of single owner Scotch distilleries rather than like the, the U.S. bourbon world where, you know, a, a lot of the different brands that you hear of, honestly, a lot of them are coming from the same distilleries, often using the same mash bills, maybe just a little bit of a different finish. But in the Scotch world, you, you do still have some kind of distinct differences to the distilleries, maybe a little bit more so than than bourbon. Okay. So when you say, when you say owners, like, I, I guess how I'm thinking about it, like, like Jose Cuervo, the family that owns Cuervo is like the Beckman family, I think. And my understanding is that they actually own the bottling companies that, you know, mass produce so many other types of liquor, like, you know, name, name, a name, a bourbon that every, you know, a household name bourbon probably owned by the Beckman family. They're one family or one corporation is the parent company to so many different types of liquor that we in, enjoy here in America. Yeah, it's 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 very similar kind of like in the US you have you have beam distilleries and in in that beam family line you have things like Knob Creek and Booker's and Basil Hayden's and many, many others. Yeah, you just like mentioned my top three, so. It's very much the same thing. And, you know, obviously like this is more on the bourbon side. I feel like there's been some very, very funky bourbon culture and demand that 
rises out of that kind of the desire to have uh, almost like the same juice at a different price. But that's that's kind of the bourbon world. There's there's some similarities in the scotch world in terms of straight ownership. There is a company called Diageo that owns about something like 40% of all of the scotch whiskey brands. Interesting. Out there. Or 40, 40% of, of the, the actually produced product Good for them. is produced by brands under this this ownership. If you're Johnny Walkers, Oban, Talisker, Lagavulin, Crag and Moore, Delwini, so many very, very well thought of distilleries and distinct distilleries are owned by this one company. Also, they own Bullet. Oh, I love Bullet. As well as Crown and Smirnoff. Captain See, Morgan. Smirnoff. They're not, it's not a Russian company. It was like this big deal here. People were like, hey, man, I thought you were going to boycott all these Russian vodkas. And then they're like, you know, Smirnoff's not Russian. It's it's just owned by the Bellagios. Yep, pretty much. All that Las Vegas money. Bringing the F1 races here. <laughs> yes, Probably terrible street circuits. Are you excited? Are we going? Are we, are we actually doing this? Are we going to go to Vegas in November for F1? Next November, 2023. Oh, I thought we were going to go to Austin in uh, October. Well, we're going to do that too. And then we're obviously going to go to Miami next month. Oh, of course. Of course. And there we should have some scotch because that's what you drink in Miami. It's what what you do. Yeah. South Florida. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's like the scotch capital of the world. Yeah. So, I mean, like in our last episode, we did talk about scotch a little bit and maybe a lot bit, Phil. But scotch has been around for a long time. Honestly, like I think some of the early records of distilling in Scotland, which, you know, if you didn't know, scotch comes from Scotland, was like the 15th century. Late 15th century, you had a lot of distilling going on in Scotland. Scotch, and actually, I, I was I was thinking about it. We talked about it in another episode, and I don't remember what episode it was, but there was this parasitic infestation in France in the late 1800s, Phil. Do you remember this? I don't. And no. And it really affected the vineyards there. And so wine production fell kind of off the map in France. And because of that brandy. And so people were looking for another beverage of choice. And scotch entered the picture, Phil. Entered the picture because it was already there and then like, oh yeah, we'll just start having that. Or were they like, we need some sort of like we need to Brandy make something. Substitute. No, no, no. So like scotch was already being distilled in Scotland. And the the drink of choice was brandy at this point in time. With the vineyards being hit as hard as they were, French wine production and ultimately brandy because brandy is uh, distilled from wine. Uh, really nosedived, Phil. And so they needed an alternative. And scotch kind of took off, had a day. And Phil, like we talked about in our last episode, you know, Scotch does have five pretty distinct regions. You have the Highland region, Lowlands, Bayside, Campbelltown, and Isla. So in terms of like sheer land mass size, Phil, the, the Highland region is like absolutely by far the biggest, kind of hands down. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's where most of the lambs are, I imagine. Sure. The lambs. The shepherds. In the Highland. Yeah. But uh, distilleries that you'll find up there, Delwini, Delmore, Glenmorangie, Oban, Loch Lomond. But then you also have the, the Lowland region, the Speyside region, which is actually where a huge amount of the distilleries in Scotland reside. I'm pretty sure it's it has the like largest number of distilleries. Delwini, Glenfiddich is there. Oh, good old Glenfiddich, yeah. I just pretty much perk up when I hear one that I recognize. Yeah. I'm so like, Glenfiddich. Oh, I've heard McCallan, of that. 
Glenn Livett, Glenn Farclass, Delwini. Those are all, yeah, well, there's some Glens outside of there, like the Highlands, Glenn Morangy. Oh, sure. Can't forget about that one. I very much like Glenn Morangy. It's one of my favorites, Phil. Okay, so Speyside, Campbelltown, not as many there. But the other interesting and notable and remarkable region is the Isla region. And we talked about this a little bit because we talked about Pete, Phil. Isla Fisher. Definitely, maybe. Definitely, maybe, Phil. She dated Pete Davidson for a short while. But also was in Definitely, maybe with Ryan Reynolds. And that's all that really matters, probably. Trouble with the Curve, not a bad movie. Wait, was that her or was that Amy Adams? I always get those two confused. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm a weird guy. Yeah, a little bit. The Isla region actually only has nine distilleries. Only. But, but, I think they are some of the more... Sophisticated? uh, Well-known. Maybe. Oh, is this, are these your labels, like blue label and the other color labels? No, that's all Johnny Walker. That, Phil, is just Johnny Walker. Is Johnny Walker actually made here in the U.S.? Are you about to break my heart? No, no, no. no. Johnny Walker is is a scotch, and it's it's a unique type of scotch that we could talk about in a second. Okay, so nine, nine distilleries in the Isla region. Probably some of your Bigger ones would be your Ardbeg, Beaumore, Lagavulin, Lafroig, Brooklotic, Bunahabin, Kilkeman, and Colila are the others. And you know, if if you if you're really into the peat thing, you're probably going to be familiar with all of those. But the the Isla region really is known for that peat, that 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 heavy, smoky, maybe burnt tires, probably brine or iodine type flavoring. Pete. Okay. I just don't think I've recognized a single one of those. Maybe the log line. That's a pretty good scotch. Pretty good indeed. Yeah. yeah. They, they have they have some good stuff. I am particularly a fan of Ardbeg. And Beaumar can be absolutely fantastic. All, all of them are, are really good and interesting. They're, they're very unique scotches. You know what's sad? Like truly a, a sad, tragic story. Kittens getting run over by tanks in Ukraine. That's... Pretty, I don't know how I'm going to follow that. That's pretty sad. No, I was just going to say that you have likely served me each of these scotches, and I just don't remember them because I'm I'm just not sexy, you know? Not like you. Oh, like Phil, your that's knowledge. debatable. It's, uh, man, you dropped some knowledge on me, Chris. Okay, so Phil, here's a question. Single malt. What's it mean? Yeah. What does it mean to you, personally? Like on a, on a, on a personal, deep, just feeling it in your heart level. What sure. does single malt mean to you? Yeah. I mean, it you know, holds a special place in my heart for obvious reasons. So obvious mm-hmm. that I don't even really need to say them because we all already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the same reasons that make uh, single malt scotch so so great, you know? So, Phil, this 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 idea of single malt, you know, last time in, in our whiskey chat, we talked about the different types of grains that whiskey was made from, right? Yeah, and that the 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 malt plays a, a role in this premature sprouting malt. Yeah. So at one point in time, to be defined as a scotch, you had to be distilling a single malt product. And a single malt. So if, first of all, if if we take a step back, the single part of a single malt refers to that the fact that the the product that you are enjoying comes from a single distillery, and the malt means that, as you mentioned, it is a sprouted or germinated grain. And that grain specifically in the scotch case is barley. So, you know, back in the day, every scotch was malted barley. Now that's changed a little bit. And so you might see labels like a single grain. And if you're looking at a single grain scotch, the the whiskey that you have isn't 
just from malted barley. There's been something else in that mash bill. So there's possibly like like a wheat or a corn or just a regular barley or a rye. Rye has you know become relatively popular, but it, it's not malted barley exclusively. Okay. So that's where those two terms come from. Like a, a single malt, you're looking at a product that is strictly distilled from malted barley at one distillery. Single grain is a, a product that has to have malted barley because that is still part of the, like the, the regulations for scotch. It does have to have malted barley, but it does have something else in there as well. And it's from a single distillery. So this has no correlation with, in the bourbon world, something like a single barrel whiskey. That means something completely different. It does because like a single single barrel is just what it's saying, a single barrel. It is a single barrel from a single distillery. As opposed to like a giant vat and then it all just kind of gets funneled through and shipped off in various different bottles. Yeah, kind of. So the, the other side of the spectrum, if you're not looking at single malts, single grains, or single barrels fill is the blended side. And that's that's where we meet our friend Johnny. Uh-huh. Johnny Walker is a blended scotch fill. Yeah. So there are some terms that you're going to run into with blends. You might see a blended malt scotch. And kind of like our single malt, that means that it is it is a, a scotch that has been distilled from malted barley. But that blended tag means that it's multiple distilleries. So you have malted barley from multiple distilleries being blended together. And you, you with a lot of blends in, in the adult beverage world, I guess, whether that's, you know, wines or whiskeys, you're trying to find things that have unique characteristics that can create like a consistent, harmonious flavor palette together. With things like your single barrels, like you mentioned, you're going to have a lot of variation. You're going to have a lot of unique characteristics that come out of that. But you're still also going to have a lot of variation due to every the fact that every barrel is going to be a little different. On the scotch side, you have you have blended malts, but you do also have things that are called blended scotches, and that means that it has a grain in there as well. So you can have like a mixture of a single malt and a single grain to create this this blended scotch. So it's really like crowdsourcing. They just want to get as many people involved as possible in hopes that maybe they're just going to find a good old average. That's going to please everybody, which is why Johnny Walker is so affordable. Not. Shouldn't that mean that it would make it more affordable, but Johnny Walker can actually get pretty spendy. What's the deal with that? Blended doesn't necessarily mean bad, Phil. Definitely. Definitely doesn't necessarily mean bad. Blended, honestly, more than anything, probably means consistent. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. Yeah, you you have master distillers or blenders that know the different products that they're putting together together. They know the individual characteristics and they know what they're trying to achieve. And when you're combining multiple things, you're more easily able to say that, okay, this needs a little bit more of, you know, this X flavor and pull from your palate to then balance it out. So you do have these these different levels of, say, Johnny Walker. You've got all of your your different colored versions, your your red and green and black and blue. And some of the differences between those might be due to aging, actually, because like all whiskeys, scotch is aged. And kind of the, the regulations state that it needs to be aged for a minimum of three years. And if you see an age statement, it's, it's also called like an age guarantee. That is is a guarantee that the youngest scotch in that product 
is the age that is stated. So say you have a 10-year scotch. You might have some 12-year or some 14-year aged scotch in that bottle, but it could also be combined with a barrel that was only aged for 10 years. That, that's just a minimum age guarantee. We're so concerned about minimums that it even makes its way into the scotch world. It makes sense. So, Chris, all that is so very, very helpful. So helpful, in fact, that the next time I take my lady friend out for a nice dinner, I'm going to spell all of this out for her and I'm going to say, did you know about this or did you know about that in single malts and barrels and sprouts and grains and all the fun stuff that goes along with with whiskey and if you would like ashley a quick crash course on what it all tastes like here is a long island iced tea 